Welcome to the Leaders Crusade with your host, Bob Mitchell. Bob has served in public safety leadership with multiple organizations for over 40 years, and his passion is highlighting those at the forefront of leadership today. With so many options out there to listen to, we would like to thank you so much for spending time with us today. Here is this week's installment of the Leaders Crusade. Today with me is Brian Goff. He is a friend of mine that I have worked with over the years and uh, have gotten to know, I don't know, probably better since uh, we both left our previous employer than we did while we were there. Brian, thank you for being here today. Thanks for having me, Bob. Brian, tell me a little bit about um, who you are, what you are doing now, how long you've been in your career field. Glad to do that. Brian Goff is my name. I am the EMS chief at the city of Sun Prairie, which is a uh, small city that borders uh, Madison, Wisconsin. Um, I've been here in Wisconsin for four years. Prior to that, as you mentioned, we worked together at Reed Creek. Uh, I was at Reed Creek for 13 years. For Reed Creek, uh, my career actually began in Southern Virginia at the Chesapeake Fire Department. That was my very first job. I uh, was a volunteer firefighter there. I'd spent some time firefighting, working in EMS. I was an EMT for a long time, went to paramedic school. My career has taken me from Virginia to Illinois to Florida and to now Wisconsin. It's been about 30 years that I've been doing it. I had a little stint in there where I worked for a manufacturing company for a little while, and I worked for a hospitality company for a little while. And I like to think that those uh, those experiences helped really set the stage, bring a little bit more perspective and well-roundedness to the way that I do uh, emergency services. Yeah, that's something that your 18-year-old comes out of high school, goes straight into param- or EMT school, then fire school, then paramedic school, then does this as a career and burns out in five to 10 years. And it's mm-hmm. like, okay, you don't, you don't know what you don't know mm-hmm. yet. I like to see candidates come through with a little bit more life experience than that, but that's me getting old too. So, (laughs) you know, I'll admit to that. Brian, what I would like to talk with you about a little bit are what your thoughts on leadership are. And I know that's kind of broad to start with, to narrow that down. Do you feel that uh, leaders are born or are they made? I think they're a bit of both. Uh, My experience has been that early in my career and and pretty consistently throughout my career, I was afforded the privilege to be selected by my peers to represent my peers. That came to be sometimes in a a labor uh, relationship or in a union. Sometimes it was through committees. Sometimes uh, I was voluntold to participate in a committee and then the other the other voluntolds that were there selected me to help kind of lead and coordinate. So in that iteration, I think that's a demonstration of how a leader might be born. There must have been something that I said or did that created confidence in those folks to, to allow me the opportunity to kind of sit at the front and, and steer the boat a little bit. But I do think that there's a healthy involvement of making leaders. In, in my 
experience, uh, that's been the case. You know, I was afforded a lot of opportunity coming up in my career, especially when I got into uh, the fire service. The, the fire service does an excellent job of preparing individuals and presenting opportunities for them to develop personally and professionally. And that was my experience. You know, I was able to come in probably maybe midway through my career um, and really start working on those, those development opportunities and the opportunities to learn about people and, and processes and myself. Had it not been for a bit more formal education or study on the topic, I would have been left with just what existed naturally, what was there organically. And while that's good, it may not have been sufficient. The study, the participation in grooming leadership activities has been a valuable part of me being able to advance my career the way I have. What do you feel are the essential, even the most essential leadership attributes? I'll, I'll push away from the superlative. I think that I think that there's a lot of different leadership attributes that help to facilitate good leaders as well as good followers. I think that in in my experience, probably one that might be um, you know more useful than others is flexibility. I see the the topic of leadership all the time. Lately, it seems to be that it exists in the social media space to a large degree. I see it on LinkedIn. I see it on Facebook. I see it on Insta. I see it on Twitter, where somebody posts a meme about some element of leadership. I am unconvinced that leadership can be surmised in a meme. I'm not sure that leadership can be surmised in a book. Uh, I think that it's really, really complex. I think there's a lot of moving parts, largely reflective on the human nature of mm-hmm. And that's the reason that I say probably one of the most advantageous parts is flexibility. If you're a leader, you need to be able to flex. You need to be able to flex to circumstances, to situations, to people. You need to be able to flex to, to factors that are outside of your control, external um, influences that you have no choice but to, uh, to try and embrace. I see, I've seen leaders take a, a hard stance um, on a given topic or position. And if left to linger for a long period of time, what I've seen happen is uh, an organization or an individual become on an island. The world changed around them and they failed to change and now they're in a, in a bad spot. I think the flexibility is definitely one thing that we're really advantage somebody who's thinking and studying leadership. I agree. One of the things that I, when I was forming that question and, and thinking about it, I came up with, you know, a leadership or a leader being a lifelong learner. And, you know, your point about not sure that you can quantify what leadership is, even in a book, I look over at my bookshelf and I've got a couple of old fire books, you know, firefighter type thing, you know, extrication and rescue. Okay. And I joke about uh, when I recertify my paramedic, I have to do emergency childbirth 
every two years. Emergency childbirth hasn't changed in thousands of years. Mm-hmm. We, we do it the same way. I'm watching the same video that I watched when I first started. That's just sad. But then I look at my leadership books and it's like, okay, I got to get another bookcase in here because I don't have enough room for the books that I, I go back to, I refer back to, I study. And for the upcoming person in public safety, regardless of what it is, you learn your technical skills in a couple of years and, and you really get those technical skills in no time. But do you ever fully develop out your leadership skills? And you almost have to say, no, they're, they're never complete. Uh, there is always more I have to learn, always more I have to improve. And that's where that flexibility comes into. You can't just get locked into one style. There, it's so much more than that. And I really, really appreciate your, your point of view on that. I would agree. I think it's germane to the human experience, <clears throat> the individual that is the leader continues to evolve and grow um, as time passes. Sometimes that happens consciously, sometimes it happens subconsciously. There's, I think many of us that are, you know, entering various generations of our lives can reflect back on when did this happen? When did my knee start to hurt? You've heard it. You heard it where we worked. When did I go from FNG to fog? <laughs> I missed the memo. What happened? Right. You know, and, and the people that you're leading are growing too. They're evolving over time. And I think that's why it is the, the topic that it is. I think that's why it is, can sometimes be pretty contentious. I think that's why it's as, uh, as dynamic as it is. So that your point, it's why the book is only good for a short period of time. And we need a new book after that. Right. The people that, that um, are involved in the topic continue to change. They never sit still. Do you have any daily routines that help you with your leadership style, help prepare you even on a daily basis for for stepping into your leadership role once you walk out of the house? There's probably a couple of things that that I do. The one thing I like to do at the beginning of the day is just take a pause and try and reflect. I like to do it at the beginning of the day because it helps to get me centered as to what it is I'm getting ready to face um, when I go in. And what I do is just really try and take a a different perspective and put the the day's activity or the issues that we're facing or some of the higher level objectives I'm trying to achieve and put them at arm's length and not stay so close to them. Mm-hmm. Recognize really big picture situations and try and reflect upon maybe the analogy is the, the battle versus the war, especially long-term change. The, the other thing I like to do is the best of my ability, try and visit people. I make it a point to get out of my office and go to each station every day. Now, I'm not always afforded the luxury of crews being there. The the 911 gods often interfere with those types of things. Mm -hmm. Uh, But the effort is there to try and just get some face time and let's be a little bit informal. And it may not be necessarily literally sitting around the kitchen table, but figuratively sit around the kitchen table and Let's just talk straight. Give it to me straight. Right. Um, Do you have anything, any skills or attributes that you're kind of focused on developing right now in yourself? Having just mentioned communication, 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 communication is always the problem. As, as long as I've been doing this as many different jobs as I had, it's always communication. It's always something about communication. It's either the message delivery or the message recipient or 
the message itself. Some years ago, I had a fire chief tell me that my message was getting lost in its delivery. Hmm. I was a younger man at the time, and I didn't understand what that meant. I understand what it means now. And I work really hard to try and make sure that that isn't the case. Right. But it is always it is always communication. I try and I try and I, I do the best that I can. I ask for forgiveness frequently mm-hmm. uh, when I bump my head. But I really do think that, uh, you know, I make the effort to try and communicate. For some people, the effort is valuable. The effort's recognized. The effort's rewarded. For some people, it's not about the effort. It's only about the outcome. And for other people, they just kind of go along with the flow. But that's the part of the dynamicism. And it's not just the the act of communication itself. It's the the effort that goes into it, the, the attempt to try and reach the individual and convey understanding, especially if we're apart on a topic. Mm-hmm. And when yeah. it becomes even more important. Do you have any favorite author or coach or speaker that you just when something comes out from them, you're going to bend over backwards to go and find it and, and participate with it somehow, whether that's reading it or listening to it. There's a couple. I wish I, I wish I had the opportunity to leverage this platform to bring somebody new to life that nobody's heard of yet. That's just, that's got that, uh, the latest and greatest leadership thing that's most appropriate for current times, but I don't have that. The people that I like to listen to, I like to listen to Simon Sinek, um, although I'll say I don't agree with everything. And there's an author called David Marquette that wrote um, Turn the Ship Around. It's an easy read. I can make it cover to cover in a sitting. It's a long sitting, but I can do it. And lately, as I reread that book, I've come to appreciate the amount of influence that the sailors themselves bring to that situation. When I first started to read the book, I thought it was all about um, the captain. It was all about, he made these things happen and he made the change. But now I've come to understand that's not the case at all. Um, He simply tries to create the space and invite the opportunity. And it's up to the sailors themselves, whether they do it or not. Mm -hmm. And that's, it's very similar to working in public safety. You know, our our folks tend to be pretty strong-willed. They tend to be problem solvers. They tend to be pretty, pretty driven and and creative and resourceful and in those types of those types of people the best that you can do is try to create the opportunity for them and invite them to put all of those skills to best work it's definitely been something that has been on my radar these last you know probably a couple years realizing that it isn't me i can come in and write policy i can come in and um, try and give somebody a a speech um, but it's ultimately up to the individuals themselves what they're going to do. There's a story that goes back that I was actually involved in when we were first issued gas cards so that we could get gas from the gas pumps. And all of them had an individual pin number. Well, within a matter of about four hours after these things were issued, we'd figured out what the pin number code series was you know how how the pin number was generated and very simply we could figure out what somebody else's pin number was without a problem now it wasn't going to work without that specific card but the individual who came up with the system nearly lost his mind (laughs) he was furious 
And the chief at the time went back to him and said, look, yeah, it's a little bit of a pain in the neck. Yeah, it's a little bit secret. It's a pin number. I get it. But at the same time, give the guys credit for figuring out how you came up with it and what the process was involved in that. And, and we do have some incredibly motivated people giving them the room to really turn that ship around is fantastic because given the room to do it with the right guidance, they're going to do phenomenal. They really are. Any task we give them in general, they're going to do phenomenal. Do you have a mentor? I do not have a mentor. That being said, how do you feel about mentors? You know, I wish I did have a mentor. There's probably a lot of a lot of reasons that I don't, and they probably all lie squarely with me. It's probably not much more difficult than, uh, than reaching out to ask. I've got a lot of colleagues that I work pretty closely with that maybe they um, individually, the they they're the sum of the parts that form the whole people that I call when I need a, a advice or opinion on a given topic. But I don't have a, a mentor mentor. Some years ago, uh, I did in, uh, in another iteration. I mentor um, people now. There's a couple of people that, uh, that are new into their profession. They've taken on department head roles. They've called to say, can you please help me navigate the the political space. Um, I think a lot of people don't always appreciate exactly how political your job is when you're the chief. It's not always about the organization or clinical outcomes or, or metrics or ISO ratings. Uh, it's a lot of politics. Brian, that is really the list of questions that I have had. Is there anything else that you'd like to, to talk about or kind of present anything you know about your city are you hiring right now you know anything like that well ours is a growing city uh, it's growing quite rapidly um, and we find ourselves in in stiff competition for scarce resources which makes for very interesting budget meetings it makes for interesting department head meetings it makes for interesting day-to-day operations i think that there are a number of factors that have influenced um, how we are where we are. But as a, as a city, I think that Sun Prairie does exceptionally well um, to manage the, the issues. We are very fortunate to be able to have a, a council that supports us and that understands ideals. Uh, they don't get too involved in the operations. Um, they intentionally keep an arm's length at that, and I appreciate that. I appreciate that if I bring them uh, an issue or a topic, they will listen, they'll hear it, they offer support, and then largely give us give us space uh, to take care of things. In the profession, we you know have always dealt with recruitment and retention. Lately, we deal with um, diversity. Some years ago, maybe as many as a decade ago, this topic was called equality or or and there was a picture of three people trying to look over a fence and each of them had a box. Uh, and the, the illustration uh, sought to convey understanding about how equity or, or equality is everybody gets one box. Uh, and equity is everybody gets to see over the fence. Right. So your resource allocations were different. Today, the conversation has evolved more into inclusion, which is something that's near and dear to me 
And in our profession, I think there's ample opportunity for us to reflect upon that and consider, are we really creating a welcoming space for everyone? In many instances, most of our, most of our organizations are built from fraternal roots. Mm -hmm. And you can see the fraternity in the organization even today. In some instances, we don't even know that we do the things that we do. Um, but for me, it's very important to, to pause and reflect on that. I invite others to do the same. Sometimes it's the simple things. And sometimes it's just a question of having a higher awareness of the messaging. As an example, recently somebody posted an event, um, a fundraising event, and it was the... Um, the spouses of some public safety agency uh, event. And it was driven towards ladies this and ladies that. And right away I observed, well, it's the spouses nowadays are yeah. often men. We have right. a lot of women serving in the profession. Yeah. And I'm sure it was well-intended, but if the opportunity is just to reflect on, you know, are really creating that inclusive environment the way that we uh, probably should, and I think would be the best, best advantage of all of our organizations. Right. One of the training programs that I have had the opportunity to experience has, and it, it goes beyond even its title, but it's racial intelligence. And that may be the new term for the diversity and the equity and that kind of a thing and coming toward an intelligent way of approaching this. In, in some ways, I feel like it's sad that we're still having to do this and that it's not just a part of who we are as people. And at the same time, I'm, I'm glad to start seeing that there's a recognition of a progression for this. You know, we're moving into an intelligent dialogue about this. Today with me has been Brian Goff. He's the chief of emergency medical services for the city of Sun Prairie. Like I had said at the beginning, Brian and I have known each other for a number of years. I would, I would say it's right close to 20 years now, and I'm very, very glad to have had you as my guest today. Thank you very much. Thanks, Bob. Thank you for gifting us with your time today. And remember, if you want to be the leader that matters, be the leader that's there when it matters most. Join us next time for another edition of The Leader's Crusade. And in the meantime, keep up with us on Facebook and LinkedIn. You can also find us on YouTube and everywhere you listen to your favorite podcasts.